1: We're so glad to be continuing a series of shows from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians. It is 2019 here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We are in the exhibit hall in this uh, beautiful venue, and we are talking with people who are making a difference throughout Indian country. Across from me as we begin today's show is Hazel Beck. Hazel is the director of the Southern California Veterans Business Outreach Center. Hazel, it is great to have you with us.
2: Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Now, Hazel, as I wander through this uh, exhibit hall, there are certain people that I meet, they're telling me about what they do, and I say immediately, this would be a great person to have on air. Other people, I say, well, they got some great information, but I don't think they could really carry the interest of my listeners. In your case, I immediately sized you up as someone who knew what you were about, had a message to share. And I'm just so thankful you're able to pull away and join me.
2: Thank you so much, David. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners.
1: And I know uh, this is not just a, a saying that I've pulled you away. I realize that you're a person who's in demand here. In fact, my understanding is you're giving a presentation right here at NCI in just a little while.
2: Yes, I'm going to be speaking to the Veterans Committee about the work that I have started to do in Southern California uh, with uh, several of the tribes that I've piloted a SBA Boots to Business Reboot workshop with.
1: Okay, so let's talk uh, about this this whole area because this is a health show and a lot of people sometimes, you know, they tune in from time to time. They're hearing about something with diabetes or cancer prevention, but folks that are uh, regular listeners, they realize that we talk about whole person health. We talk about community health and financial health is a huge piece of that. SBA, Small Business Administration. Tell us, what is that all about? Because people have heard of it, and they say, well, what kind of group is this?
2: Yes, the United States Small Business Administration is an agency that was created in 1953, and the focus on the SBA is the development of small businesses. So the SBA does this through a variety of channels. Uh, the SBA is responsible for uh developing policies at the national level that govern things like government contracting Mm. or small business certifications if you're a uh, veteran-owned business or a woman-owned business. Uh, They also do this by uh, access to capital, channels that uh, people can get funding to start a small business or to grow an existing business. So I know that your listeners are familiar, as you say, with financial health. And so the SBA does whatever it can to foster small business development throughout the United States.
1: So you're here at the National Congress of American Indians because you are trying to connect with First Nation peoples. Why is that such a priority for you right now, Hazel?
2: Uh, it became apparent to me when I took this position about a year and a half ago that we have 11 different tribes alone just in San Diego County. Mm. My office is based in Carlsbad. So um, I've been doing the SBA's Boots to Business program facilitation for over six and a half years, and it just dawned on me that I didn't see much attention being paid uh, to the uh different reservations in Southern California, and I felt because Native American and Alaskan Natives have such a high service rate mm-hmm. in the military mm-hmm. uh, that this was an area of opportunity and growth. Um, almost one in five uh, tribal members have served in the military, mm-hmm. and so I just wanted to think of a way that I could bring to bear some resources that I knew I had access to uh, to, to the, uh, to Indian country business.
1: Now the organization that you represent actually is not an organization that's trying to make a lot of money. You're actually offering services. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Yes. Uh, there are 22 veteran business outreach centers across the United States. Each one of us has our own service area and each one of us is funded by the SBA. So the mission of all 22 of us, is to provide business development services to transitioning service members, to the Guard, the Reserve, to veterans of all eras, and to their military-connected family members who are interested in starting their own business or growing an existing business. And because of the funding we receive from the SBA, our services are at no charge.
1: Wow. So someone's tuning into this show today. Maybe they are from Southern California. Maybe they're from the Northern Plains or from Alaska or from the Southeast. I mean, we the the show goes out on some 200 stations throughout the country. But regardless of where they're listening, they say, well, I'm a veteran, and I've been trying to start this business. I'm kind of struggling. Is there someone in every region of the U.S. that they could turn to?
2: Yes. Between the 22 of us, we cover— uh, all 50 states and the territories. So we have a VBOC of the Pacific that also covers Guam and American Samoa. Wow. Uh, the VBOC in New York State also covers Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So, yes, everybody that's in your listening area will be able to find a, a VBAC.
1: So who should be calling their local VBAC?
2: So uh, transitioning service members will meet us through their transition assistance program called Boots to Business, which was Mm -hmm. developed by the SBA and uh, Syracuse University and the Institute of Veterans uh, and Military Families. So those folks will meet us on their bases Mm -hmm. uh, as they're preparing to come back to our communities. Uh, Members of the Guard or members of the Reserve or veterans who have been out any length of time um, will meet us either by contacting us as vbox or will meet us at boots to business reboot events which are held in their community and when we say military connected family members mm-hmm. we mean parents of the veteran children of the veteran over the age of 18 brothers or sisters of the veteran and if your father was or mother uh, was in the military service but they've passed away you're still a military connected family member to us v-box so you're entitled to service
1: so the veterans business outreach centers these v-box that we're talking about they're there to help people of any service connection whether it's a family member whether it's themselves and if they're looking for help either starting a business or they've found themselves with a business on their hands you could help them
2: yes any one of us v would be happy to help them if you have an existing business Uh, We could help you with strategy. We could help you expand the business. We can help you find capital. Uh, We're like your executive coach, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a startup, uh, we'd be more than happy to sit with you and just talk through your idea uh, just to help you evaluate whether it would help you reach the goals that you're looking for financially. Mm -hmm. Um, We provide confidential one-on-one counseling. Uh, We do some additional trainings. But we also do the Boots to Business Reboot, uh, class out in the community.
1: So talk with, uh, folks today about some examples of maybe success stories that have come about because someone contacted one of these veterans business outreach centers.
2: So, before I took the uh, position here in California, I was the VBOC in Chicago for Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Okay. So, I had a um, military spouse who was retiring from education. Mm-hmm. Her best friend was also a teacher. And so, they came uh, to me to talk about uh, starting a coffee food truck concept
1: coffee food Food truck truck. so what they were thinking
2: about doing is they realized that there wasn't really good coffee first thing in the morning at some of the schools in their area in illinois Uh so they were going to do a mobile coffee unit Uh and they were going to go around from school to school okay so that was their idea so they came in and we had a session and we talked about it and then i didn't hear from them for a while a couple Mm -hmm. months and uh, then they contacted me again. And I said, so whatever happened with the coffee truck? And they said, no, no, we didn't get anywhere with it. We have another idea. Uh, I said, all right, so what is it? And they said uh, they wanted to open a coffee kiosk in a train station hmm. in Illinois. Kay. So it was very interesting talking that concept through. And I coached them uh, so they could go to their village meeting and have discussions with city officials Mm -hmm. about feasibility of this, and it was a resounding no.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
2: (laughs) So they were they were deflated and disappointed, Uh and I realized that the reason they said they got a no at the council meeting was because they really hadn't thought about the other side of the table, and I accepted responsibility for that. And I said, so what we have to do is show them what's in it for them, what's Mm. in it for the city, why Mm -hmm. would the city want to do this? So we went and did a downtown job, beefed up the presentation, looked at the train schedules, went back in, and they got approved.
1: Wow, okay.
2: And it has been an absolute, it'll be two years next month Uh that they've been with a coffee kiosk in a train station in Illinois, and it's absolutely amazing.
1: So basically, there's resources out there for anyone who has service connections, and basically people like you who are... Not just uh, trainees. You've been doing this for a while. I-, I met some of your colleagues there at the booth, and it didn't look like any of you had just come out of high school and no. got a you know a one year associate's degree or something.
2: No, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm a Navy veteran from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, and uh, and most of us VBOX are veterans. Uh, most of us VBOX have. Uh, had our own small businesses at various points in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we've come to this uh, particular position uh, because we are interested in serving other veterans. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as conveners, collaborators, and connectors. Hmm. And so when you do come to a VBOC, uh, if we can't provide a specific service that you're looking for, we will know who to refer you to. Okay. So you will definitely leave a VBOC office. Office with much more information than you had when you first came in, and mm-hmm. um, more of a sense of direction.
1: So let's talk to someone right now. Maybe they are saying, "Well, I don't have a business, but I do do a lot of traditional hand uh, crafts. Maybe they're into beadwork or pottery, or you know, some uh, native." Traditional work that they've done. They don't think of it as a small business, but they're selling those things. We have a number of people who are here who, uh, have, uh, whether it's jewelry, whether it's blanketry, whether it's other crafts that are, are here in those, uh, positions. A lot of times people say, well, it's just what we do. You know, it's a, a family thing. H- have you heard that story yes. before? So what do you tell someone like that?
2: Well, the first thing to think about is the fact that art is actually can be a business okay Uh, many times when we're counseling artists they struggle with the concept of the fact that they create the art because they have to it's something Mm. within them that they uh, manifest whether it's painting or beadwork or pottery Uh, they do it because they have to do it what they struggle with many times is that people Think that their work is amazing and beautiful, and there's actually a market value for that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they can actually profit from the talent that they have. So it's it's a hard time sometimes to get someone through that threshold to realize that if this is your dream and you have a cottage industry or or you're doing a hobby and it's starting to build a little bit, Mm -hmm. that you should be very proud of that, and you can actually structure that as a small business and generate a revenue stream for yourself and your family.
1: And there would be advantages of reaching out to someone like you or someone in their community, if you will, the local VBOC, because you can help them look at things that they might overlook. Is that true?
2: Yes, yes.
1: We want to talk about some of those practical things, but before we step away from this segment, Hazel, tell us how someone can get in touch with VBOX in general.
2: Uh, the best way to do that is to go to the sba.gov, G-O-V, website, forward slash, V is in Victor, B as in Baker, O is in Oscar, C is in Charlie. So sba.gov forward slash VBOX.
1: Okay, thanks so much. We're going to be back with more from Hazel Beck. We are here at the National Congress of American Indians in Albuquerque, New Mexico. More from Hazel, more to come after this. Don't go away.
0: Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's one 800 775 Four six, seven, three. We'll be right back after this.
2: This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you
3: can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry
4: about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at WRInstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency
1: medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim.
4: When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke, know the signs, act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke.
3: If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You are back with Dr. David DeRose here from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We are recording this segment in October of 2019. Across from me is our guest from the first segment. We're so glad that Hazel Beck, the director of the Southern California Veterans Business Outreach Center, has been able to stay by for one more segment. Thank you, Hazel.
2: Thank you, David. It's my privilege.
1: Hazel before we had to step away we were talking about art as business and why individuals who have connections with the veterans affairs department they've served themselves they have family members who served why they should especially be thinking about these Vbox these veterans business outreach centers my my special concern Hazel is a lot of times people say, well, I'm doing just fine. I have my own business. I'm paying the bills. I mean, it's wonderful. People love my creative work. But there's some advantages you could bring to the table, aren't there?
2: Yes, yes. And you have to decide when you're thinking about transitioning your hobby into a business you have to decide uh if you're going to run it as a lifestyle business or are you actually going to try to structure it as a revenue generator hmm. so a uh, lifestyle business basically means think about someone uh perhaps opening a surf shop okay. uh, they're going to close that shop when the surf is up okay. and they're going to be out there with their customers okay. in the waves so it's unrealistic to think that you're going to earn the kind of revenue you would earn if you were in the shop six days a week, mm-hmm. never went out when the surf went up. So you have to ask yourself, how do you want to run this? And there's you can run it part time. You could run it full time. Uh, we're going to be able to help you at least have those kinds of discussions and figure out what are your expectations for this business so that you can set those realistically.
1: Now there are challenges with uh, you know legalities and things when uh, someone is entering into the the business world in a formal way, and maybe even some things that uh, well might be uh, in the legal realm that they haven't been paying attention to if they're doing something in the in the business world. Is that something that commonly comes up in your discussions?
2: Yes, yes, it does. When we teach our boots to business reboot workshops, we strongly recommend. That if you're thinking about getting a business started, at the same time, think about assembling what we call is a bail team. All right? So What is this? A bail team. B-A-I-L.
1: Okay. You got to explain this yes. to us.
2: <laughs> okay. So there are certain people you want to put on your bail team. The first one is a banker, a business mm, banker. Okay. So you want to start a relationship with a business banker so that you can understand what options might be available to you when you're ready to discuss financing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. You also want to have an accountant on your bail team because you need some advice to make sure you structure the business correctly so that the benefit of the business is to you as the owner Uh from tax perspective and for how you're going to get paid, how you're going to raise funding, those Uh things. uh Insurance is the I, So you want to add a business insurance agent. To your bail team, so they can help you protect the business that you're building.
1: Okay. And last
2: but not least is your legal or your lawyer. Okay. Uh, A small business attorney is invaluable to make sure that you're setting the business up correctly Uh and legally.
1: Okay. Well, this you really had me going there with a bail team. (laughs) I thought you said before you start, you want to make sure you got people that can bail you out if you get in trouble. (laughs) But it's an, it's a mnemonic, it's an acronym. So B is the banker, A is the accountant, I is the insurance, and L is the lawyer lawyer. and the legal. Okay, I got the picture. And what you're doing, Hazel, you and other, uh, VBOC representatives, you're saying, uh, we can help you make those connections and kind of go through that checklist as, as far as getting a business started.
2: Yes, and we actually work very closely with other SBA resource partners that your listeners might be familiar with, uh, such as the Small Business Development Centers. There's almost a thousand of those across the U.S. Their acronym is SBDC, Small Business Development Center. Uh, we also work closely with SCORE, hmm. which is the Service Corps of Retired Executives. So SCORE also is a national organization funded by the SBA. And they uh, provide mentorship in various aspects of business ownership. Mm. Um, women's business centers, there are about 140 of those across the United States. And they specialize in providing business development services targeted for women. Um, there are also centers called Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. Those are called p for short. Mm-hmm. So again, we as a VBOX, we can... Uh, guide you towards appropriate resources that can assist you in your business endeavor.
1: So, a lot of folks who are listening today, they're getting really excited. They are veterans themselves. They have family members who've, who've served, and they say, "Boy, I got to learn more about these V Get on the phone, go on the online, and get more information." Is there a single website that you refer people to?
2: Yes, the the best website to seek out. Uh, The location of your closest VBOC is sba.gov forward slash VBOC. And you will find on that uh, page an explanation of what VBOCs do. And you'll also find a listing of all 22 of us VBOCs and VBOC director contact information.
1: Now, the question, though, comes now from our many listeners who are not service-connected. And they're saying, wow, I mean, this sounds like great stuff. Uh, no reason to call the VBOC because they're not going to help me. Where do you point those folks? To
2: everyone else, I will send you to the Small Business Development Centers. Okay. And, again, they have a national website called Americas, plural, S-B-D-C, dot org. So if you go to that website or you just Google Americas SBDC, You can locate the nearest SBDC by your zip code and find the center closest to you.
1: So Small Business Development Center. Yes. So, Hazel, I know one of the questions that often comes up whenever we speak about a governmental agency, this is true in Indian country. It's true outside of it. A lot of people are afraid, okay? They say, yeah, they're saying they want to help. They maybe even help some people, but. If I talk with them and they say, I'm not doing something right the way I'm running the business right now, I'm liable to have somebody else knocking at my door and I'm going to be in trouble. Right now I'm under the radar screen. Just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Is there a legitimate concern that uh, asking for help could end up obligating them or getting them into some difficulties?
2: I think that's an excellent question, and it is certainly one that I've encountered uh, as the VBOC. Uh, the the best reassurance that I can give to your listeners is that if you engage with a VBOC and you do one on one counseling, that is confidential. Okay. So we have no reporting structure to any other government agencies, and we truly have been created by the SBA. Uh, over the last 13 years to specifically help with business development in all sectors
1: Tremendous. of the population. Tremendous. Well, let's come back to Indian Country specifically, because I know you've been piloting some things with tribes right there in your backyard around San Diego. Tell yes. us uh, about why we should be excited for opportunities throughout Indian Country as VBOX look at uh, especially helping out with First Nation peoples.
2: Yeah, so I'm very excited. I have, in the last couple months, taken the curriculum that we deliver on the uh, military bases, uh, Boots to Business. It's called Boots to Business Reboot, when it's done off the base. It's the same eight modules that comprise the introduction to entrepreneurship that we give to transitioning service members. And I was fortunate enough to be invited uh, to deliver that workshop on the Viejas Band of Kumaya Indians and also last month to the Pala Band of Mission Indians. Mm. And uh, both events were extremely successful. Uh the events were opened either by the chairman of the tribe with welcoming remarks or in the Viejas case it, it was the it was Adrian Brown, one of the councilmen uh for the tribe uh, who presented a short video. On the history of veterans in the oh, VA really? House Tribe, wow. and uh, the event was extremely well attended. Uh-huh. Uh, the eight modules basically step the participants through different aspects that they will encounter as business owners. Hmm. So, uh, the goal is to help them decide whether or not entrepreneurship might be for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Boy, that's great! So, uh, eight modules. Is it safe to say those modules maybe take an hour apiece to deliver, or is there a, a rule of thumb with about, that?
2: About 40 minutes. Okay. About 40 minutes. Uh, they cover um, an introduction to entrepreneurship. Module 2 discusses whether this is the right idea. Could it be a possible business concept? Module 3 is market research. Module 4 is the economics of small business. Hmm. Uh, module 5 are the different legal structures that you could structure your business as. Module 6 is where to find the financing and the money. Okay. Module 7 is how to write a business plan and module 8 are all the SBA resources that are here to assist you after this event free of charge. I also do something else because I want to attract other resources to the workshop like Department of Veterans Affairs, Department of General Services and the
1: SBA. Wow. Great stuff. Hazel, our time has slipped away. I know your time is slipping away because you got to get off to a presentation shortly. But before I let you run, people want more information. They didn't get that website down yet. Can you, uh, one more time, give us that information as to how people can get more information about your organization or other organizations uh, like yours throughout the country?
2: That would be the SBA.gov forward slash VBOC website, and you can find all of 22 of us there.
1: Thanks so much. We have got to step away. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. It's true, Hazel won't be with us, but we've got some other great guests coming up. Don't miss it. We're back with more right after these messages.
0: American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero?
4: Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.
3: Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. I am Dr. David DeRose, and with me is Amanda McDonald. Amanda, great to have you with us.
5: Thanks for having me.
1: Amanda, you guys are getting quite a bit of interest here at the National Congress of American Indians because you have got one of the more practical booths. Uh, Tell us what you're offering to individuals who come through uh, the NCAI exhibit area here in Albuquerque.
5: Yeah, awesome. So we really have a very hands-on booth um, at InBody. We're actually offering blood pressure um, kiosks, so blood pressure uh, monitoring, as well as body composition. So, really intertwining those two, your cardiovascular health as well as your weight, but breaking it down even further into water, muscle, and fat, and people are really getting excited about it.
1: Now, I'm going to be just really honest with my listeners, and I'll be honest with you too. I was a bit skeptical uh, about what you were doing there because a lot of folks tell you that they're going to check your body composition by doing this bioelectrical impedance, you know, measuring resistance in the body. And what I've always found interesting is many of these systems, they want to know all this information about you, how, you, how much you exercise, uh, you know, what your age is, what your gender is. And just to give you an example, I've done a lot of screenings over the years. I've trained students in doing it at the college level. And once we took one of these devices, I said, okay, put me in as a 20-year-old male, you know, that I'm X, Y, and Z. And now, now put me in as an 80-year-old woman. Same test. Vastly different results. Right. Your equipment doesn't use any of that and you get the same results either way. Exactly. Why is yours, uh, able to give accurate readings and not just give some kind of ballpark idea and then get some data and make a guess?
5: Right. So that's the whole difference with InBody is, um, our founder, Dr. Chal, wanted to make it a super simple, non-invasive way to check your body composition and not use any type of empirical estimations, um, when it comes to like your age, gender, ethnicity, activity level. Um, so we do af- offer or ask those questions what, of what your age is and your gender, but it's really just to showcase and see where you compare to your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing with InBody is you can test as a 99 year old female and do a back-to-back test as a 17 year old male and you're going to get the same. Uh, results in that sense.
1: Yeah, that, that is very impressive. For those of you who, uh, are tuning in and you're, you're saying, well, that's not uh, unusual at all. I'm just telling you, I've, I've seen a lot of these devices over the years and basically they're not really giving you an accurate assessment. They're giving you a ballpark figure and then they're looking at population data and using that to try to give you some numbers. So Mm -hmm. as a physician, That never really appealed to me as as being particularly convincing that it was accurate.
5: Right. And that's, we actually get the question a lot of, oh, this is a BIA device, or a, a, excuse me, a BMI device. Mm -hmm. And it's not at all, because that's what we really want to change people's perspective on is, you know, we want to get away from BMI, um, which is just looking at your height to weight. Um, We really want to focus on what your weight is comprised of and breaking it down into that water muscle and fat is like a huge advantage to see that. Because a lot of people, you know, bodybuilders, they have a ton of muscle, very Mm -hmm. little body fat. So their BMI is extraordinary. It's super high. So mm-hmm. if you're just looking at that number, um, you're automatically going to assume that that person's obese. But physically, like looking at them, they're in great shape. Mm-hmm. So that's the ba- biggest difference between, you know, body composition, what we want people to start focusing on. And in, in, even in this Indian population, a lot of times we do get that question, oh, this is just BMI, but it's really not. And that's where we can really show people the differences. Um, and getting them focused a little bit more on what their weight is comprised of.
1: So now the name of your company mm-hmm. and your product line, is, is it all, is it all the same? InBody, is Yeah, that...
5: InBody is our, um, company. Um, mm-hmm. we're based in Korea. Um, we have our U.S. headquarters in California here and we have our devices in every 50 states.
1: Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, InBody 570. I'm looking at, uh, some product information here. Mm-hmm. This is the device that I was just on where you check my Correct. body composition. Yes. Okay. And I, I know some of the listeners are wondering if I'm going to survive. Uh, of course, it would be inappropriate to uh, disclose my personal information on the air, but we didn't see any sign that I'm in imminent risk of, of dropping dead anytime soon.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think you're okay for now. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, and of course, that's not the purpose of it. I mean, I could have some, you know, dread heart rhythm problem or something, right, that could... could kill me. I mean, you're not...
5: (laughs) Let's hope not. But from your results, you look like you're okay for right now. Okay, okay, good. Well,
1: that's reassuring. And you also used the automatic blood pressure monitor. I found that actually quite interesting too. Many of the listeners know I'm the author of one of the best-selling books uh, in America on blood pressure. And so folks know my name when it comes to blood pressure. I've I've looked at a lot of blood pressure devices. But uh, this one really... Seem pretty easy to work with, and uh, tell us a little bit about why your blood pressure device is different than others.
5: Yeah, so our blood pressure kiosk, um, it's called a BP Bio 320S. Um, It's designed to be used as a standalone device where people can just come in and self-monitor their blood pressure with... um, it actually comes with like an automatic printer. So you even saw as soon as you finish the test, your results printed out within a few seconds. Yeah, That's very nice. Which was awesome. Um, but now we also have it integrated with our in-body units too. So now rather than just fo- focusing on body composition, we're able to link it together with your cardiac health, um, with your blood pressure too.
1: So when I came to your booth, basically you checked my blood pressure. Then I got on what looked like a fancy scale mm-hmm. with also some arms that I had to hold on to. Right. And what I found interesting is unlike many units that give you an overall body composition, your system actually told me lean muscle mass in my arms and my legs and gave me a specific printout with all that detail.
5: Exactly. And that's like the whole difference with us is um, our technology. We're able to break the body down into five different segments. So breaking your upper body into your right and your left arm, your lower half into your left and your right leg, and then measuring your trunk separately, which um, is really our technology. So our bioelectrical impedance, as well as like our five segments is what in body sets is set apart from.
1: And then because I had done the blood pressure monitoring there at your booth area here, that data also is on this nice printout that you gave me.
5: Exactly, yeah. So you can see it on the right side of your result sheet that prints out. Um, But they are intertwined, so as someone tests on the blood pressure kiosk and then goes right over to the body composition scale, everything prints out for you.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about this because, of course, on my show throughout Indian Country, throughout the world, really, today, a lot of talk about risk factors, about body composition, especially as it relates to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you find happening, even at this venue, when, when someone gets on the in-body unit and you say you've got a lot of visceral fat, what, first of all, is that?
5: Yeah, so visceral fat is that bad fat. Um, we call it the bad fat because it surrounds your internal organs. So it's around your heart, um, causing those increases in cardiovascular disease, um, increased risks in, like, diabetes, per se, um, too. And with our 570 unit, that's measured in a level. So a level 10 is where we start seeing those increased cardiovascular health risks, and essentially that would mean 100 centimeters squared of visceral fat. Um, so when we have someone come up to our booth and maybe their visceral fat's at a 15 or a 16, um, that's something that's a little bit alarming and we want to make sure that they're aware of that. Um, and then we can look at their result sheet a little bit more and look at what, how much body fat they have to lose. And we want to make sure that that is a number that's going down.
1: Well, one of the things that's interesting about all of this, and, and you can tell me, Amanda, how you, uh, feel about this, but when I talk with folks about visceral fat, I tell them, you know, fat is not just a storage form of energy. Fat is metabolically active. Mm-hmm. And that fat around the organs is making compounds that are actually contributing to inflammation. Mm-hmm. They're uh, interfering with how diabetes, uh, uh, well, let's put it this way, how blood sugar is handled in the body, your risk of diabetes and so we need to be very concerned about that. Do you find that's a useful way to explain it, or do you find some things that help drive those points home a little bit better in your no, teaching? No,
5: for sure. Yeah, that's a definitely an interesting way to describe it. And with our InBody 572, we actually can look at that extracellular water value where we'll see someone who has more swelling or edema in their body that may be caused by that um, visceral fat too. So that's just another talking point when we're looking at someone's result sheet and explaining to them like their visceral fat as well as like their extracellular water or water mm-hmm. being held outside of those cells causing that inflammation. That's a number that we definitely want to monitor, especially with someone maybe with like diabetes, um, going through dialysis, something like that.
1: So let's talk about this too, because this is not something people usually think in terms of extracellular uh, water. Mm-hmm. Of course, In our bodies, we have fluid in our blood vessels. We have fluid in our lymph vessels. But we also have fluid in our cells. Uh, We have fluid in the, we call interstitial space, the spaces between the cells. How accurate uh, is this assessment that you folks are giving? Is it, uh, you know... In the research, does it look like it's a pretty good indicator?
5: Yes. So InBody is validated with DEXA through the Mayo Clinic, Mm -hmm. and we are 98.9% accurate with them. So those of you who don't know what DEXA is, it is considered the gold standard of body composition. It's essentially like an x-ray scan of your body. Um, So we do all of our validations with them for obvious reasons, but we are 98.9% accurate.
1: Okay. And so why would would someone, if they have this test done, uh, and let's say... On this scale here, and of course, we can't visually show it to people over the radio, but on the printout, there's numbers 0.320 up to 0.450. Are those percentages? What are those numbers?
5: Yeah, so for the extracellular water, it does give you an um, average range of where you want to be, which is 0.36 to 0.39. So 36 to 39% of your total body water should be held outside of your cells. Um, just for normal functioning. So if we have someone who has more swelling or edema in their body, they would be elevated outside of that normal 0.39 range, so okay. 39%. So s- people who do have a lot of swelling, um, they would be elevated from that normal range.
1: So if someone is dehydrated, are they going to tend to have a lower level, or is that not necessarily Not necessarily case? true, mm-hmm. yeah.
5: Um, definitely with the extracellular water, it is something that can vary throughout the day as well. Um, But definitely, you want to stay within that 36
1: to 39%. You're here at the National Congress of American Indians. Let's take all this technical stuff. I mean, some people are listening. They're saying, this sounds really interesting. Other people are saying, why am I listening to this? What's the point? Why would someone, let's say in a tribal health clinic, Mm -hmm. why would they want a device like this? How would it help them?
5: It would definitely help them by looking at, like I said, water, muscle, and fat. Mm-hmm. So rather than focusing on scale weight when it comes to losing weight per se, we want to be losing body fat rather than just losing water weight. Because anyone can go on a crash diet and guess what? They're not losing fat. They're losing mm-hmm. muscle and they're losing water first. Um, so this is really important when it comes to any type of nutritional evaluation or just evaluation on health in general. Because we want to focus on fat and muscle, which is body composition mm-hmm. rather than like a BMI per se.
1: If someone representing a clinic, tribal health center, maybe even a community group, a health club, a uh, a group that is uh, doing some weight loss programs in the mm-hmm. community, they're asking a question, well, this sounds like great stuff, but it's probably very expensive. Are there leasing options? Is it just purchase? How does the equipment yeah, work?
5: Yeah, we offer a lot of different options. Um, outright pricing, 24 months, 0%. Um, a lot of different financing options. So there are options for anyone.
1: We've got to step away from this segment. I know you're going to stay by. We want to talk about some exciting stories that, uh, that relate to your uh, your work. But before we have to go away, can you tell us how people can get more information?
5: Yep. So you can just go to our website at InBody.com or InBodyUSA.com.
1: Okay, InBody.com or InBodyUSA.com. Perfect. That is easy. Amanda is not going away. I encourage you to stay by. We're going to talk about how it can change your perspective on your life and your health simply by having an accurate assessment of where you stand as far as body composition. That's coming up in our next segment. You don't want to miss it. More information, too, about how you can help yourself and others through modern technology. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. Our final segment is coming up right after this.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to American Indian Living, our final segment of today's edition from the National Congress of American Indians, 2019 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Across from me is Amanda McDonald. Amanda, I'm glad you could stay by.
5: Yeah, thank you.
1: Well, I'm going to share a little bit personally, and the reason I'm going to do this is because this device and uh, accurate testing of body composition, which I'm taking at face value, uh, I've been very impressed with uh, InBody having just met the team, but I've told you in the first segment uh, that I did with Amanda some of my concerns about previous body composition tests. Sure. To give you some background, you can do the so-called underwater weighing. You can do the skin caliper methods. There's different ways we can estimate body composition. But, um, uh, generally I'm, uh, I'm favorably impressed. And my wife was very favorably impressed because she's been telling me things like, David, you're running too much and, uh, you do not too much, but you, you need to be doing more upper body stuff. So we were interested to see how I did. And I actually showed these results to my wife. So, uh, we looked at my muscle mass and my legs. And, and Amanda, uh, what did you say to me when you looked at that? You asked me a question.
5: Yes, I asked you. I said, are you a runner or a cyclist?
1: Okay. So she knew right <laughs> off, and I said, yes, I admit to it. I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, pointed out that it looks like I needed some work where?
5: In your upper body. <laughs> okay. So, your I wife didn't, I, right. yeah, I
1: didn't, I didn't score as well in that upper body <laughs> muscle mass. So, uh, when I gave the results to my wife, she immediately developed rapport with Amanda and, uh, and said, if there's a machine that's telling my husband to listen to his wife, this has got to be something good. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, what about other folks though? They're getting their testing done. And let's take, for example, someone who, has a BMI that's not all that bad. So BMI, just to, to make sure we're all on the same page, Amanda mentioned this earlier, body mass index, it's a simple measurement. It's using those universal units of, of kilograms and meters, so we don't use them much here in the U.S., but it's kilograms per meter squared. So it's just a measure of your weight in relation to your height. And as Amanda, you pointed out, uh, maybe refresh our memories. Why is this not a good thing for somebody who's Mr. Universe, for example?
5: Right. So I always say BMI is the old way of me- assessing health. It's really going to tell every skinny fat person that they're perfect, okay. and every muscular person they're obese. So thinking it in that sense, you can kind of understand why you wouldn't want to go by BMI because you know muscular people are going to have a higher BMI. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that their body fat is something to be concerned of because. Oftentimes it's a lot lower, Mm -hmm. Um, but with per se like the skinny fat person I say in quotes, where they're comprised mostly of body fat, but their weight not necessarily is in that like alarming range. Okay. That's why we want to focus on body fat percentage.
1: Okay. Now this is a strange term to some people, uh-huh. a skinny fat person. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's say someone comes to your booth and just for the record, since I'm disclosing things, um, <laughs> I did not show up as skinny fat, right?
5: Right. No, you were, you were pretty normal aside from your upper body. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Fair enough. Okay. So, um, so here's where we're going with this. Someone comes up to you and they might say, I don't know why I'm doing this. I weigh the same amount I've weighed since I was in high school.
5: Mm -hmm. Right. So that's where we want to talk about that. So their weight really hasn't changed, but their body composition
1: is changing, meaning
5: that they're losing muscle and they're gaining fat, but because they're losing more muscle than the fat, their weight really is staying the same. Does that make sense?
1: yes, and and typically this is as a physician, this is what we see right We see people, even if their weight stays the same, most people get less active over time, and uh, they lose muscle mass and they gain fat right So when they get on the in body unit, it's going to tell them. Where that weight is distributed and what measurements are they actually being given just to, to walk us through that?
5: Right. So the measurements that we're giving, um, we break your weight down into lean body mass, which mm-hmm. is going to be everything but fat in your body. And okay. then we break that down even further into your water, too. Um You're also going to get your skeletal muscle mass, which essentially is all the muscle on your body providing movement. So all the okay. muscle attached to your skeleton. Um Your body fat mass, you're going to get your body fat percentage as it compares to your BMI. So you can see that difference. Mm-hmm. And then we break down your segmental analysis into your lean body mass. So that's going to break down where everything is stored except fat in your body. And that's going to tell you pounds in each section. Like I mentioned earlier, your upper body into your right and left arm, your lower half into your right and left, and then your trunk. Um, and that's also going to give you a segmental analysis percentage too.
1: Okay. Someone wants to learn more about this. You already said it's really simple. Go to InBody.com or Mm InBodyUSA.com. But let's take the discussion just a little bit further because folks may be listening today who know their body composition. Maybe they were told they had some kind of assessment, whether it was using this unit or something else. And the doctor said, hey, you got a lot of extra body fat, but you are thin. Okay? Why should that person be concerned?
5: That person should be concerned because we want to make sure that their body composition is at a healthy level. So someone who maybe has a really low body fat mass oftentimes is going to have a really low skeletal muscle mass too. So it is important to have body fat on your body because that's your body's natural protectant. It's your insulation too. But when we have someone who has low muscle mass as well, um, then we might be into more of like our sarcopenic obese um, where we're having extremely low muscle mass, increasing your risk for like osteoporosis, broken bones, joint issues, everything like that down the line.
1: So you've been uh, doing a lot of work with personal training. I know historically we talked uh, personally a little bit about your background. Just tell us that window because we have a lot of folks who are in kind of the health community, who listen to the show. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll bring it back to what you're doing right now.
5: Right, yeah. In my own personal practice when I was um, personal training and coaching, um, I actually used the InBody, which actually brought me to the company, oh, really? which is an awesome experience for sure. Um, but using it within like a health and fitness environment too is extremely useful. So you don't want to think InBody just has a one-time use with maybe diabetic patients. Mm-hmm. Um, within the fitness industry and the health industry, um, we're looking at changes in those body positions when you're working with a personal trainer. Obviously, mm-hmm. you want to be increasing that muscle, decreasing that fat, and then ultimately probably losing weight in the um, same time. But when it comes to like tracking your history, that's where in body is really important too, because at the bottom of the results sheet, you're actually able to track your history. Um, so we can see in the fitness industry um, how your clients are performing, which obviously is going to give you a little bit more, um, You know, A++ or in rapport with your clients if Mm -hmm. you're actually making those changes and those validated changes on the results.
1: So basically, I'm looking at a graph here. And, of course, I only have one set of readings. And probably even if I did uh, go to the health club instead of running like I did uh, this morning – uh, it's not going to change in the two days that you're here at the conference, right?
5: Right. The only thing that really can change from a day-to-day basis would be your water weight, which actually would change your weight just slightly. But your body fat mass and your body fat percentage would pretty much stay the same within one to two days.
1: Okay. Yeah. So are you going to let me come back in two days and see if it looks similar? <laughs> you definitely
5: see- can. You can come back and test every day we're here. For oh, <laughs> really?
1: Okay. So this is going to be my way of of checking for reproducibility. So if you're saying. Now, come on, Doctor Rose. Was this thing really all that it uh, measured up to? Uh, maybe we should have waited till the third day before we did this uh, this show. But we're here at the convention for several days. Um, Amanda, this is something that I know a lot of people uh, are concerned about. It's a sensitive topic, but we we want to talk about it. Historically, people that carry extra weight have had many opportunities to feel ashamed. How can doing something like this, instead of shaming people, Motivate them
5: Mm -hmm. for sure. So that's the whole purpose of InBody is we want to make it accessible for everybody, and we want to make it you know non-invasive. So you mentioned earlier like the skinfold calipers or even underwater weighing. That's not designed for everyone. That's not designed for someone who knows that they might be 50% body fat and doesn't want to get into a bathing suit mm-hmm. or doesn't want to have their shirt rolled up in the gym and have their belly squeezed. Mm-hmm. So that's why InBody is super awesome in that sense because uh-huh. anyone can step up onto the scale and stand there for 45 seconds. Um, so we want to make sure that everybody is comfortable in this environment. That's why InBody made it so like non-invasive.
1: And it was really simple. I mean, the way I did it, uh, you guys said I can leave anything in my pockets that I want. But you informed me of some interesting relationship there. What was that?
5: Yes. So anything that you leave inside your pockets or if you're wearing anything heavy is actually going to be added on as fat mass because we're sending all the currents through the water in your body. So everything that you're wearing is going to be added on as fat mass. So we always recommend people test in the lightest conditions as possible. So like shorts and a tank top would be ideal.
1: Now, granted, here at this venue, I didn't quite do that. But I did take off my jacket. Uh, I was wearing a sport coat. And Mm -hmm. uh, all I had to do, though, is empty my pockets. I didn't take my shirt and pants off obviously, right. here in this venue. And uh, it was really very simple, very quick.
5: Yep. That's what it's designed to be. So we're glad you got to test.
1: So Amanda, for someone who's tuned in, they've heard the interview, they want to say, okay, why even call? I can just go online. Is there any reason that they should go to the website or talk with someone?
5: Yeah, so all of our um, in-body specialists are completely trained through in-body. So we can answer any question that you may have when it comes to body composition and really offer you any type of way that you can use the device within your own facility. Wow. So I definitely recommend speaking to someone from our in-body headquarters.
1: Okay, so again, give us that uh, website once more.
5: Uh, it's inbody.com yeah. or if, inbodyusa.com too.
1: And if we've been speaking too quickly, it's in like not out. I n body b o d y dot com or inbodyusa.com. Perfect. Amanda, thank you so much.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: We do have to go. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully, today's show has again done what we try to do each week, and that is helped you be in the very best of health. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose.
5: Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.